You are listening to Hellcats Hope, episode number eight. Welcome to Hellcats Hope, the podcast to find humor, healing, and hope. Come along with Hellcat as she explores ways to help you overcome adversity and find your own inner Hellcat. Yes, Hellcat is her legal middle name, and hope is her game, bringing hope to others by showing what's possible. Here's your host, law school grad, motivational speaker, author, and certified life and smoking cessation coach, Lori Hellcat Bamford. Hey guys, welcome back. So this is episode number eight, and we are going to talk about one of my favorite things, running. I want to talk today about how running really does cover the trifecta, the trifecta of what this podcast is about, humor, healing, and hope. I want to share today a couple of stories from some of my races that are Well, I think quite humorous. And if you can't laugh at yourself, what are you going to laugh at, right? I also found a lot of healing in running. And of course, hope. Now, if you are not a runner, if you think running is the dumbest thing that any human would ever do, keep listening because this can apply to anything that you find in your life that inspires you to keep at it and keep trying and get better and show other people what is possible in their lives. And that's what this podcast is about. It's about sharing hope and showing what's possible. Now, some of you may be asking, as my friend Blisters asks on many occasions, especially when it's a long training run, she will say to me, is your car broke down? Do you need a ride? Why would you do that? And there are many reasons. Always think about that quote from Forrest Gump. When Forrest Gump said, that day, for no particular reason, I decided to go for a little run. And that's kind of how it happened for me. If you've listened to episode number one, I share a little bit about my health journey. And about nine years ago, my doctor had taken me aside and said, listen, if you don't make some changes, you're not going to see your kids grow up. You see, at that time, I was smoking up to two packs of cigarettes a day. I was well over 330 pounds and I was in terrible health. And so I looked around and I thought, well, I need to do something. As many of you may relate to, I've had issues with my weight and concerns with my weight for most of my adult life. You know, many people say, well, I've struggled with my weight my entire life. And I used to say that too, but I'm changing the discussion. I'm changing the way I talk about it. I no longer say, well, I've struggled with my weight my entire life because As you know, when we think about that think-feel-act cycle, when we think of it that way, it feels like a struggle. And when things feel like a struggle, we're going to act like it's a struggle. And the result's going to be, yeah, your weight loss or whatever goals you may have will feel like a struggle. Instead, I like to think of it as I'm just on a journey. I'm trying to figure out and practice what is working for me in my journey to health. So 11 years ago, my doctor says, you got to do something. You want to see your kids grow up? You do something. So I looked around and I saw some of my friends were runners. And I thought, hmm, I bet I can run. Now, mind you, I did not play sports in high school. I was your typical band geek, speech and debate geek, loved every second of it. But I never really played athletics. I remember the coaches in middle school begged me to play basketball. But with eight kids younger than me at home, I couldn't make it to practices or games. 
We had kids to get raised, parents to help. But still, I thought, running looks interesting. My friend Kelly Cox does it. I'm going to give it a try. So about that same time, here in Deer Creek, Oklahoma, they were having the Creek Classic, which was an annual race held to raise money for the school district. And my kids had signed up to do the fun run, which was a one mile fun run. And I show up with them and I thought, I can run a mile. Now, I knew nothing about running. I think I had on some old fashionable tennis shoes. I know for sure I had no spandex on anywhere. I was wearing a regular bra, regular sweatpants, and a t-shirt. Yeah. I started to jog, run. My pants were falling down. Everything was falling down and lasted maybe 10 seconds. But I finished it. I walked the entire thing and I finished it. And then in there I decided, I'm going to figure this out. And so I downloaded the app, the Couch to 5K app on my phone, and I began training. And again, the first training session, I believe, was to run for one minute and then walk for two or three. I couldn't even run for a minute. I couldn't even run for maybe 15, 20 seconds. But I kept at it. And the app required three training sessions a week. And I did every single one of them. I did most of them up at the gym in our neighborhood. And then I would run outside, up and down the main street, right outside our neighborhood, up and down May Avenue. But I would always do it before the sun came up because I didn't want anyone to see me. I was afraid people would laugh at me. Who is this 330, 340 pound woman trying to run? But I kept at it and I loved it. I felt like Forrest Gump. I just went out for a little run. And I noticed that I got better and better each time. Now, I'm not built for speed and I probably never will be. And that's okay. I used to say, you know, I don't have a runner's body, but I have a runner's heart. That is another conversation I'm changing about myself. I have a body. I am a runner. Therefore, I have a runner's body. Enough. I love what John Bingham said. He said, if you run, you're a runner. It doesn't matter how fast or how far. It doesn't matter if today is your first day or if you've been running for 20 years. There is no test to pass, no license to earn, no membership card to get. You just run. That is one of the things I love about running. So I completed the Couch to 5K app and it was time for my first 5K, which incidentally was exactly nine years ago last week. I'll share a picture of it in the Hellcats Hope podcast Facebook page. My friend Kelly Cox, she ran it with me. I had to do a lot of walking, but I finished it in just over an hour. And then I began to sign up for more and more races. And then I quit smoking. Yes, in that order. I know it sounds crazy. But I remember one time after a 5k, I got in my car, which was a habit as I got in my car of lighting up that cigarette. And I remember taking a drag and I looked at it and I thought, well, this doesn't make a whole heck of a lot of sense. What am I doing? So October 9th, 2011, I quit smoking. And I am a freedom from smoking coach, teaching and coaching other people to quit smoking as well. And then I noticed, go figure, my running and endurance improved. And I was loving running even more. I used running as a tool to manage my physical health. But what surprised me is that it really helped me manage my mental health as well. So I will often say about running, I joined for the vanity, I stayed for the sanity. I've completed two full marathons, five half marathons, and I couldn't even tell you how many 5Ks and 10Ks. If a race has a medal, I'm going to run it. I love the bling. 
I'll put a picture of all my medals up on the Facebook page as well. I'm pretty proud of them. I ran both of my first two half marathons at the Oklahoma City Memorial Marathon. We lived in Oklahoma City when that bombing happened. And so that race has always meant a lot to me. And after the second half marathon, my daughter, Sarah, turned to me and said, Mom, you've already run two half marathons. It's time to step up your game. You should do a full marathon. What do you say to that? She was right. I'm going to run a full marathon. I remember calling my friend Rick Akey. He is one of the runners from the documentary From Fat to Finish Line. And I had met him through the Facebook group and the community that formed out of that documentary. And it's a wonderful, wonderful community. If you haven't checked it out yet and you're interested, go over there and check it out. And I remember I called Rick Akey and I said, Rick, you think I can run a marathon in six months? And of course he said, well, of course we can. We'll make it happen. Now, typically a marathon training plan is usually about 16 weeks. But as Rick and I talked, I said, listen, I'm, I'm scared about this. I'm a little nervous. I want to have a, a little bit more time. He said, you got it. We'll have a takeoff runway leading up to the regular training plan. And so Rick created a training plan for me and I got started. And I remember that phone call like it was yesterday when I was kicking around this idea of running a full marathon. And I remember I hung up the phone with Rick and I turned to my husband who was driving and I said, I think I'm going to run a marathon. And he ever so sweetly turned to me and said, is that reasonable? (laughs) He has said that many times over the years. And what he's learned is, no, usually it's not reasonable, but I don't let that be a reason not to do something amazing. And so while I was training for this first full marathon, I applied for a contest to be one of the contestants in a local Biggest Loser contest here in Oklahoma City. It was the Homeland Grocery Store Get Healthy Challenge. And in October of 2015, I received a call that I had been selected as one of 20 participants in this contest. I felt like maybe this was my break. You know, I had lost maybe about 50 pounds in running since Dr. King took me aside. And I thought maybe this is something that will jumpstart and help me get to my goal so that I can not just finish the full marathon, but actually enjoy it. Now, the Homeland Get Healthy Challenge was going to take place from the end of October, Halloween, through New Year's Day. You know, covering all the major holidays, Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's. So basically 14 weeks of a contest where you all worked out together at Rough House Boxing and Fitness. Shout out to Rough House Boxing, Stephanie Tolson and Joe Garcia in Edmond, Oklahoma. And you weighed in every week. And each week there was a winner on who had the most weight loss. Speaking of boxing, did you just hear my bulldog boxer in the background? Well, the first week I won. And then I think I won the fourth week and the seventh week. I really can't remember. But... I won the entire contest. It was so exciting. I lost 80 pounds in 14 weeks. Now, I don't recommend doing this because guess what? Almost all of that weight came back because I didn't do the mental work on the way down. I just white knuckled my way through it. Yes, I won. Yes, I was the only woman to ever win that contest. Yes, I won $5,000. No, I don't regret it. I just don't recommend it. I did learn a lot from it. I learned how to meal prep, which I still meal prep today. I learned that I love boxing. It was sometimes a challenge to find someone to pair up with me during drills. One guy told me one time, I I just have a hard time boxing you because you just sit there and smile the whole time. I loved it. I learned that I can lose weight. 
But the way that I did it was not the way that I want to do it for the rest of my life. I did it through extreme restriction and excessive exercise. I had some amazing trainers and help through the entire process. And again, I, I, I loved all of it. I also learned to love weightlifting. But I ate exactly what my trainer told me to. I ate exactly what they told me to eat. And I worked out exactly the way they told me to work out. And this is a pattern in my life. You tell me to do something. I'm going to do it in a perfectionist way. And then you're going to give me a reward. It's pretty much how I've done many things in my life. I'm going to go to college. I'm going to get perfect grades. You're going to give me a degree. I'm going to go to law school. I'm going to get almost perfect grades. You're going to give me a degree. I'm going to go into this job. I'm going to do exactly what you tell me to do. You're going to give me a promotion and a raise. I'm going to go into this contest. You tell me exactly what to eat and then I will win. But sometimes the problem with that approach is you don't really learn how to trust yourself. You don't learn how to trust your body to tell you when it's hungry and when you're satisfied. And you don't pay attention to the stories that you tell yourself. You see, I, I basically beat myself up all the way down the scale, never paying attention to the story that I was telling myself, never dealing with the mental work and the mental healing that needed to take place. I will talk more about this in the next episode. I've completed an interview with Sarah Nicole. She is a intuitive eating coach out of Katy, Texas. And she and I will discuss more along the lines of food and weight loss in that episode. So I want to spend this episode, though, spending a little bit more time talking about running. So I had lost all this weight and I was ready for my first marathon in April of 2016. That race still today is one of my favorite races. It was an amazing experience. If you want to read more about it, I wrote a race report and blog and it's on the website, whatthehellcat.com underneath blogs. And it's called My First Marathon Report. It's all about the people. And it was after that race that I finished and was so proud and excited that I started the Hellcat Facebook page. I wanted to show others what was possible with not your usual runner's body. I then decided to run my second full marathon that same year in November, just over six months after that first marathon. You see, I wanted to get one more marathon under my belt so I could say I run marathons, plural. I was not as well trained And this marathon was in Tulsa. It was the Route 66 marathon. And I also didn't realize how hilly that particular race was. Now, that race went a little differently. It wasn't as fun as my first one. I didn't know it at the time. I actually was running with a very serious injury in my foot. You see, I had what was called an extra bone floating around in my left foot. Come to find out, Less than 5% of people have this condition, have an extra bone. I believe my husband said, of course, you would have an extra bone. But it turns out at that marathon, I was barely able to walk the last several miles. I have a race report on that one too that you can find under my blog section at the website. I finished that race, but I was dead last. Yep, DFL. And I can remember being at mile probably 20 and thinking there's no way I'm going to make the cutoff and there's no way I'm going to get a medal. And so that thought many times made me think I should just quit. I was in a lot of pain, but I just kept going because I thought I'm at mile 20 and runners, you probably will understand this. I said, I've only got six miles to go. 
And then I said, Oh, God, I have six miles to go. But dead last or not, I finished that race. And I've never been so happy as to come around that final turn with the police car escort behind me with his lights on and seeing the entire race staff at the finish line, 30 people cheering for me alongside my husband, Reg, and my friend, Rhonda, and giving me my medal. It was a wonderful race and experience. But after that race, I figured I needed to get this foot checked out. And that's when I discovered that I had the extra bone in my foot. Now, this particular condition is very common in children because children are usually very active. However, I wasn't very active as a child. I didn't become active until my 40s. And that's when this extra bone began to rub against the tendon and causing the extreme pain. So I had surgery in December of 2017, and it was a pretty dark time. I truly had convinced myself I was never going to get to run again, which really was overwhelming. And it wasn't just from the standpoint of it had helped me manage my weight or diabetes or heart disease, but the mental aspect of it, the endorphins that you get, the mental encouragement that I got from running, I no longer had for several months, but I had a great recovery And with the amazing help of my physical therapist, Scott Carlin, I was back running within a few weeks. My next race was the Go Girl Half Marathon in Oklahoma City. That was in 2018. Yeah, that race was interesting. That was the one where I began running and I was there to do the half marathon. And I got to talking with this other runner, which sometimes I typically do. And as a result of talking and not paying attention, I took the same turn with her. Well, she wasn't there to run the half marathon. She was there to run the 5K. And as we were heading back downtown to where the start line was, I was very confused. And I started looking around and everyone around me had a different colored bib. And I stopped someone and I said, let me see your bib, please. And it said 5K. And I said, wait a minute, I, where, where's the turn for the half marathon? And somebody said, oh, honey, that's way back there. Well, I start hauling it back to that spot. And I get there. And of course, there's no one to be found except police officers. And I stopped one of the police officers and I said, hey, I missed my turn. I Can I just keep going this way? And I'll never forget. He said to me, you're never going to make it. Well, that was the wrong thing to say to me. Or should I say that was actually the right thing to say to me? Because then I kicked into watch me gear. And so I just started running in the right direction. Nobody was around. And I'm running and running. I finally get to about mile six. And I realize I'm, I'm pretty far behind. I'm about three to four miles behind everyone else. And so I pull up the map on my phone. And I see that if I cross over at mile six, I can hook up with the rest of the runners at mile nine. So I called my husband because he's really good at reading maps just to confirm that I was right. And sure enough, I got to that spot while I was still about three miles off track. So I said, okay, here's my choice. I can just start running with all these runners and it will actually be about 10 miles instead of 13.1. Or I can run backwards not backwards, but against the runners for a mile and a half and then turn around and come back. And then I will finish at 13.1. And of course, that's what I did. You should have seen these runners watching me running toward them and not in the right direction of the race. 
and having to explain to everybody, hey, sorry, I took a wrong turn. I have to go back a mile and a half so that I'll be back on track. But once you told them that, they were all very encouraging. And that is what I will say about the running community. They are all very encouraging. I have yet to meet someone who did not encourage me in my running. So I got a little off track, but I finished. Then I decided I wanted to run a Disney race. So I had decided January 2019, I wanted to do the Disney half marathon. Now, many of you may not know this, but Disney marathon races have a lot of rules. And sometimes I don't really pay attention to a lot of rules. I just wanted to go out and run at Disney. Well, to run the Disney half marathon, you have to submit proof of time. So I decided I needed to find a half marathon that was relatively flat because then my pace might be a little bit better. So I asked on Facebook, I said, hey, I'm looking for a half marathon sometime in May of 2019. I need something relatively flat. And my great friend, John Holsey, also runner 12 of From Fat to Finish Line, the documentary, he messaged me back and he said, oh, yeah, you need to come out to San Diego and run the rock and roll half marathon. It is flat, but the full marathon's not flat, but the half marathon, yeah, it's pretty flat. So I went out and did that race. And my biggest lesson from that race is people in California define flat and hills very differently than people in Oklahoma. It was not flat. It too was hilly, but I finished. So I go to Disney, the happiest place on earth, right? And I'm ready to run the Disney half marathon. My training was touch and go, but it was Disney. And I figured I could keep up with the pace, the 16 minute average pace. But again, I didn't read the rules. The 16 minute pace is inclusive of potty breaks, pictures with the characters. It starts from the time you start. You don't get credit. You don't get to stop your watch. Well, what I do is when I'm running and have to use the restroom, of course I stop my watch. I don't want to be penalized. Well, Disney didn't really look at it that way. And so I'm running the Disney half. I'm having a great time. I'm at about mile five. I'm feeling pretty good. And I start noticing a lot of runners beside me. They're all upset. And, you know, they just kind of seem out of sorts. And I noticed there's a, an official looking guy with a red flag. And, and I had in my earbuds blasting my rap music that I love to run to. And he's waving this red flag and he looks cranky too. And I'm thinking, we're at the happiest place on earth. What is wrong with everybody? So I take out one of my earbuds so that I can hear what's going on. And I start hearing people talk about the balloon ladies. The balloon ladies are closing in. Watch out for the balloon ladies. And I turn around and I see some ladies walking with them with some balloons, Mickey balloons. And so I asked one of the runners, I was like, why is everybody freaking out about these balloon ladies? And she explained to me that if the balloon ladies catch up with you and you can't keep up with them, you get pulled off the course. And I thought, oh, dear. So at mile five, I start hauling it as much as I can. You see, up until that point, I was taking my time because I was, according to my watch, I was well within the 16 minute minimum. And so I had to start running pretty fast for me. Well, by mile eight, the balloon ladies had caught me and I had nothing left to give. And there it was, the bus. They also had state troopers out there blocking you from continuing the race at mile eight. I felt like that was a little bit excessive and dramatic. And I thought, this is it. Are they gonna really make me get on this bus? 
And sure enough, on the bus we go with the balloon ladies way ahead of me. So I get on this bus and I am mad as a wet hen. I'm frustrated because I didn't read the rules. It was on me. I should have known. But I was just so frustrated because... I was at mile eight and I easily had another 5.1 miles left in me. So I'm on this bus and I'm looking around and everyone, you know, everyone's all happy. And they're saying things like, well, I got a lot further than I thought I would. And I'm thinking, people, we are on the bus of shame. We got pulled off of the course. (sighs) I was so frustrated. I pouted for about 24 hours. And then the next day, I called my friend, Lisa Morton, and I said, listen, we're going to get to work. Her husband, Zach, and Lisa, they ran Higher Ground Running, which was a running training program, and they were going to help me get my revenge. And so in January 2020, I said, fine, we're going to do Hellcats Revenge. It's going to be the full marathon. So I sign up. I do the training. I hired an amazing running coach, Joel Salazar, and I train. I had missed some. And I get there, and I'm ready. Well, I don't know if you guys have heard But that race went on record as being the hottest race in the history of the Disney Marathon. Of course it was. At 3 a.m. when I was in my corral, it was already 74 degrees and 98% humidity. I was just sitting there waiting and I was in a pool of sweat already. I had also over-caffeinated. I had taken too many caffeine tablets and I didn't have enough fuel on me. So the odds were kind of stacked against me from the beginning. But again, it was a it was a wonderful race at mile 17 of 26.2 miles. The medics made me stop. And I'm glad they did. My heart rate was irregular. I was having a hard time breathing. It was pretty bad. So on the bus of shame again. So now, yes, you guessed it. I signed up again. So 2019, I got pulled off the half. 2020, I get pulled off the full at mile 17. 2021, I'm not going to do the half. I'm not going to do the full. No, I'm doing the full dopey. Now, those of you that don't know, the dopey race is a 5K on day one, a 10K on day two, a half marathon on day three, and then a full marathon on day four. Is that reasonable? No, but it's going to be awesome. And so that is the training that I'm doing right now. But here's the bottom line. If I can do this, you can do this. It may not be running, but pick something that scares the crap out of you. Come up with a plan, train, experience all that it is. The race is not the destination. The journey is the destination. The race is just the victory lap. And what running has done for me is it has helped me heal my mind. It has shown me the strong will that I have. It has given me healing. It has helped my heart. I fully believe that it has kept diabetes and heart disease at bay. Two diseases that are genetically in my family. I have a really strong heart and can recover pretty quickly. And I love the fact that I used to be a two pack a day smoker and now I run marathons. I have some metabolic issues and insulin issues going on and I'm working on those, but I can run. You know, one day I will not be able to run, but today is not that day. So I run. And whether you're talking about running or any other sort of exercise routine or any any sort of goals that you have, I have a little list that I consult on those days that I wake up and say, I'm just not feeling it. I'm not, quote, motivated. Well, I just remind myself of a few things. Number one, I don't have to want to do it. What? 
don't you have to be motivated and feel good about it and just, you know, get after it and get going? No. I would say most of the time, the voice in my head saying, no, we can do it later. Or you don't have to do it today. That voice is usually pretty loud. But I say, Mm-mm, I don't have to want to do it. I just need to do it. I, then I tell myself, this is going to feel so good when I'm done. And that is so true. I have yet to do a run. Even if the run felt like crap in the moment, I always feel so good when it's done. I'm telling you, those endorphins are legit. I remind myself that motivation comes from action and that it doesn't have to be fast or perfect. It just has to be done. I also remind myself that I'm becoming a person who keeps promises to herself. And that I already decided I was going to do this race. And I already decided that I'm going to run 45 minutes, two days this week. It's already been decided. I decided on Sunday when I do my weekly plan, when I plan out my week and what I'm going to eat and how I'm going to work out. It's decided. It's done. And so I'm a person who keeps promises to herself. So I had to let go. And I think that's what we have to do sometimes is let go of that idea that you want to or have to be excited or that something is wrong because you aren't. No, this is our brain. Our brain is doing exactly what it's supposed to do. Remember, the brain is about seeking pleasure, avoiding pain, and doing so in the most efficient way possible. Running is not really about that. So your brain is going to tell you, go back to bed. You don't have to do this today. I love how Kristen Armstrong describes running. There is something magical about running. After a certain distance, it transcends the body. Then a bit further, it transcends the mind. A bit further yet, and what you have before you laid bare is the soul. And Christopher McDougall said, if you don't have answers to your problems after a four-hour run, you ain't going to get them. I can't tell you how many issues or problems or thoughts that I've worked out during a run. So if I can do it, you can do it. Eleanor Roosevelt said, you must do the thing you think you cannot do. Prove yourself wrong. Challenge this story that maybe you've told yourself for years. Again, it doesn't have to be about running. It can be any story that you've been telling yourself. One that I kept telling myself for years was, oh, I'm not an athlete. I can't do that. No. An athlete is someone who dedicates their time and energy in a specific training to become better. That's exactly what I'm doing. That is an athlete. So that's what I mean when I say that running is truly a trifecta. You will find moments of humor, you will find moments of healing, and you will find moments of hope. Thank you for listening. See you next time. Thank you so much for listening to Hellcats Hope. And if you like what you heard, please subscribe. To book me as a speaker for your next event, work one-on-one as a coach, or find more information on my upcoming book, please go to whatthehellcat.com. Thanks for listening.